words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I know I've told this uh, story before, so I'm not yet going senile, but I think I actually told it in relation to Allie and her being in China. It's the story of a young uh, family, uh, faithful members of a local Presbyterian church, and during their confirmation classes, their daughter learned of the church's mission and work abroad. And the more she read and the prayed, the more she became interested and intrigued, and the, the more she felt a call, a tug on her heart. So prior to the service, her parents, who went promptly to the pastor, he was thrilled with, to hear the news and until the parents said to him in no uncertain terms that this was not what they had expected in confirmation classes. These classes were not supposed to teach her to go far away and be a missionary and head on over. We just wanted her to be a good Presbyterian. Feel free to substitute Anglican, Episcopalian, Southern Baptist, or Lutheran. It's been one of the 20th century and the start of the 21st century's greatest challenges. Of course, church membership and involvement is, is, has been correlated to um, good citizenship over lots of years. And those ideas began to merge where being a good citizen and a good member of the local church equaled being good Christians. As a side note, as we all ready move into the start of this third decade of the 21st century this linear sort of thought continues to crumble and it's a huge challenge for us that that just being a good citizen doesn't make one a good christian and their and their parallels seem to be less and less reality in our culture being a good church member never has been the biblical model of discipleship it's never really been about membership. So in one sense, it's good that we have to face this more directly today because when it was comfortable to just be a good citizen, everybody belonged to this church or that church, we can't hide any longer under this sort of umbrella of just being a good citizen, good citizen and being a member of the local church. For us this morning, we're celebrating this fourth Sunday of Advent which tricky season that of Advent. It's never the same length, and it's most often the fourth week is, is really truncated, as is sort of the case uh, this year. It's Christmas Eve is already Tuesday, and so uh, any opportunity to think about this fourth Sunday goes by mighty quickly. These themes, this celebration surrounding Christmas are much more on our minds and front burners and getting ready for the celebration and family rather than these Advent themes that seem a bit more uh, foreboding perhaps, challenging. Still here we are this morning. And I hope that we might pause just enough, just a second or two maybe before uh, speeding into Christmas to hear this uh, challenge that really we hear this morning and to consider this most important aspect of our faith, that, that of obeying God's call. Obeying God's call to go and to send and to follow and to obey. So we turn this morning to yet a very familiar story, I suspect. It's first chapter, Gospel of Matthew. Now I say familiar, I, I wonder if the familiarity is one of those things 
uh, that we're familiar with the general story. And so when the, when the tape sort of starts playing in our head, uh, we just continue out the story in our own minds because we know the overall story. And so familiarity could cause us to overlook this morning what I would describe as a pr- principal character in the story. We hear, of course, at the beginning of the gospel that Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, and before they came together, she was found to be pregnant with child from the Holy Spirit. And then again, as if that, that record player just sort of skipped and jumped over, we, all, we hear, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And I suspect even when we hear that the angel of the Lord appeared to him, our minds most often go to the image of Mary hearing the news of her being pregnant. We hear the Magnificat and we hear the angels singing and we're excited to hear about this. This morning's about Joseph. This morning's when Joseph hears this news. Poor guy, he seems to be nothing more than sort of that add-on in the family photo. He doesn't get much attention. But the story this morning in the Gospel reading is really all about him and what one uh, guy referred to as his bad dream or his nightmare. But for us this morning, it's more importantly his response to this news that the woman to whom he's betrothed is now pregnant. A Christianity Today Bible study of this uh, section about Joseph and his response, it's titled, Reckless Obedience to God. Obeying God when we don't feel like it. Anybody relate? Obeying God when we don't really feel like it. Imagine what Joseph must have been thinking and feeling and he found out that his betrothed is already pregnant. He was engaged to this Jewish girl from an upstanding family, but now he finds out she's pregnant. And he didn't need a Jerry Springer paternity test to know that he wasn't the father. And he knows the consequences A betrothed virgin who willingly has sex with a man other than her future husband is to be stoned to death along with the man. That's the law. It's the death penalty for both. I often humor myself, maybe occasionally others, and my family might question that, thinking about Christmas cards that you never see. You know, remember we've listened to John the Baptist the last two Sundays and he comes in, you know, with wild dress and he uh, tells the people, you know, you brood of vipers, who warned you? And so can you imagine the Christmas card on the cover? There's old John the Baptist and on the headline it says, you brood of vipers, who, va- who warned you? And then you open up the card and it says, repent, the kingdom of God is hand. Merry Christmas. Or this morning, there's Joseph with you know, sort of that shocked look on his face and he sees Mary maybe, you know, beginning to show that she's pregnant. And then on the inside, it's, what will you do with the message this Christmas? Yes, what will you do with the message this Christmas? We're getting to the heart of the issue here on this fourth Sunday of Advent. What will you do with the message of Christmas? Matthew tells us Joseph was a righteous man, so he wants to do the right thing. Uh, but, But there's the dilemma, right? What is the right thing to do in this circumstance? Is it the law? 
stoner and the guy that apparently they don't know who he is. He certainly wants to guard his own integrity. He's a man of, he's a righteous man, and he, he knows that people will talk. Heck, we know that people will talk, right? And we care what they'll say, don't we? We want to do the right thing, but the only options that we can think of come at a high cost. A high cost. Joseph, I suspect like some of us, decided there was a a compromise uh, solution. A quiet divorce. Yes, that would not put her to shame and it would save his reputation. An unwed divorced mother well true she won't be stoned but I don't know that it leaves her in exactly the kind of position that he's thinking it will right but his reputation will be maintained right what would you do with the message of Christmas well for Joseph there's this dream The dream throws his plan quite astray. God's intervention, God's breaking into his plan, into his life. Just as with Mary, the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and told him, this child is part of my plan to bless the world. Sorry, Joseph, if it makes you feel uncomfortable. Risks how you'll be thought about in the community or your friends or how it opens you up to what others might say about you. That's, sorry, this is, this is my plan and this child has a future. You know, I reminded of Bishop Salmon uh, many years ago and I guess the best description would be that I was, I was whining about the, the things that people might be saying about me and we sat down one day and he looked me right in the eye and he said, now Craig, let me tell you, everything you think people are saying about you, they are, now get over it. The angel, the angel and God have a plan for Joseph's life that's more important than anything the rumor mill or the gossips have to say about you. Anything that anybody would question. He says to Joseph, fear not. Take Mary as your wife. Take the child and name him Jesus. For he'll save the people for their sins. Now, what will he do? What's his response? What, what is his response to this Christmas news that he receives? What's this, this righteous man? Doesn't, doesn't righteousness mean to behave properly? You know, that, that stiff, sort of stiff-backed, let the chips fall where they may. It was decisions you've made. It's your cost. I must do what is right kind of moment. No, not so much this morning. Joseph reveals that righteousness that God demonstrates in sending Jesus in the first place. It's a willingness to bear the guilt of others, to silently suffer ridicule for another. Pastor Rick Brand of North Carolina writes, It is the constant decision of faith. Are we ready to say yes to the possibility at all times that all of our thoughts... All of our cultural 
values, all of our relational rules, all of our absolutes might in fact be obstacles to God coming into our lives. I turn back to the title of the Bible study that I saw this week, Obeying God When You Don't Feel Like It. So are you ready to say yes to God when he calls you out of the comfortable place where you find yourself, out of, the, of that comfortable place of being just a, a person who's got a membership in the community as a part of their citizenship? Or those social roles that we find ourselves fitting into that, that if I do this, those people will look at me a, a way they might not even want to be associated with me? Or are you willing to bear the burden, the guilt, the shame of others for his sake? Joseph was. Look at verse 24. When Joseph wakes from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. What a a powerful response. He does what the angel commanded. He takes all the risks, and he has no flashy response. He, He doesn't sing a song. He doesn't do a dance. He doesn't give a speech. He simply obeys. He does what God tells him to do. And it's a pattern that we really will see unfold in all of what little we know of Joseph's life, to be honest. Here, the announcement of the pregnancy, he does what he's told. A bit later, he'll be warned in a dream to flee to Egypt, which he will. And when he gets the all clear from Egypt, he'll be told to bring he and his family back, and he will. Each time he had a choice what to do with the message. Do what he's commanded, or rely on his own understanding, or responding to the pressures around him of what others might say, whether he understands it or not, no matter the embarrassment. I wonder this morning, what emotions go through you when God calls you to do something? Maybe something that doesn't make sense, something that might not be so popular with your friends, something that calls you out of that comfort zone. I wonder this Advent, as we rush to Christmas, has God been tugging at your heart, calling you for some specific thing that that he wants to use you in his plan? Something that will impact the future. Yes, your future for sure, but possibly the world's future. So again, what will you do with the message this Christmas. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for this opportunity to look at your faithful servant, Joseph. Lord, he honestly gets overlooked quite a bit in this season. And for us, this very short season, I pray, Father, that his obedience to the call on his life that you placed will touch our hearts, that we might obey as he did. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.